The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And in this episode number 26, we're going to be talking about the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup, which, like so many other competitions that are branded as a 2020 competition, took place here in 2021 in the early months of 2021. That's right. It had been delayed several months due to COVID and due to the delay in several of the confederations of the continents uh, concluding their championships, their club championships. So it was pushed to February here, February of 2021 in Qatar, but it took place a week ago or it concluded shortly under a week ago so in this episode we'll talk about that competition from start to finish six teams uh competing for the title of world club championship in qatar as we said and it is the champions of five of the six confederations plus a team representing the host nation of qatar um the one confederation that did not send a team was oceana as uh, New Zealand's the New Zealand side that won that competition did not travel uh, due to COVID, for COVID reasons, and uh, they were an amateur side anyways. But um, it was it was determined that they were not going to travel to the competition, so it left it with six, which is a nice number, and uh, we got through it in in basically under a week. So it was a good competition. I think it ran as well as this competition possibly can run given where it sits in the calendar. Uh, and depending who you are, you like it in this place or you don't. And uh, it was in a nice spot for Bayern Munich, obviously. Uh, Tigres as well. But uh, I think Palmeiras wish, wishes that the competition would have been played in another time. Um they didn't even really have time to come down from the high of winning the Copa Libertadores before they were on a plane halfway around the world to Qatar to compete in this competition, and it showed. We'll we'll talk about all that in this episode, all right? So sit right tight, and I will be right back, and we'll get started right in the quarterfinals, all right? There were two two quarterfinal round matches or preliminary round matches, however you want to talk, however you want to call it. We're going to focus on one of them, and we'll do that right on the other side of this break. Don't forget to follow the PTB Media Network on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. UEFA Euro 2020, this summer, here on the Parking the Bus podcast. And welcome back to episode 26, Parking the Bus. And we're going to take this bus now for the first time in show history, I'm pretty sure. 
This bus is going to park itself in the Middle East. We're in Qatar, the future home of World Cup 2022. And it is the FIFA Club World Cup 2020. And we get started with a match that was a not-to-be. So on Monday, February the 1st, it was scheduled that Qatari uh, representative Al Duhail's SC was going to take on Auckland City FC of New Zealand, the champions of the Oceania Confederation. But due to travel restrictions due to COVID, uh, Auckland City FC did not make the trip. And Al Duhail is credited with a 3-0 victory to advance to the quarterfinals. Um, not sure that FIFA called it the quarterfinals. Let me just, for the sake, it's called round two for the sake of um, accuracy. According to FIFA Club World Cup, it's round two. So we're going to pick it up in round two. It is Thursday, February the 4th. And we are in the Qatari city of Al-Rayyan. And we are at the Ahmed bin Ali Stadium. CONCACAF champions Tigres of the Universidad Autónoma de Nueva León, better known to everyone and you and me as well, as Tigres took on Asian champions Ulsan Hyundai of South Korea. Let's look at the lineups. We'll start with the Korean side, and I will ask in advance for uh, your forgiveness and your patience with the pronunciation of some of the Korean names. I do not want to disrespect anybody, and I am pronouncing these as best I can. In goal for Ulsan Hyundai is Hyun Woo Cho. Uh, his, they're playing a 4-2-3-1. And four across the back for Ulsan Hyundai. It is on the right, Kim Tae Hwan. And the center back pairing is Ki Hee Kim and Dave uh, Batus, I want to say it is. Batuis and Dave Batuis is a Dutch defender. He's six foot four inches tall, thirty years old, and on the left side of defense is Young Wu Seul. Double pivot in midfield in front of them: Wan Du Jai and and Hung Min Shin, and they play behind a three-man attack, attacking midfield um, tandem, or not tandem, but. Uh, Threesome, if you will, of Dong Jun Lee, Bit Garam Yoon, and Kim Ing Sung. And the striker is Ji Hyun Kim. For Tuka Ferretti's side, who nearly, I have to say, before we advance and talk about Tigres in this episode, let's remember how close they were to being eliminated in the round of 16 of the CONCACAF Champions League, they were about to go out on away goals to a Honduran side, okay? They were about to go out to a Honduran side. It was Marathon, if my if my my memory serves me right. They were in the closing, closing instances, less than seconds, when they got the winning goal from this man, the goalkeeper, Nahuel Guzman, the Argentine, <laughs> came up on a set piece, scored in stoppage time to advance Tigres to the quarterfinals. And if not for that, we wouldn't be talking about them today. We'd be talking about somebody else. But uh, 
they managed to survive and to persevere and to get all the way through and win their first ever CONCACAF Champions League title. And that lands them in Qatar for this World Club Cup. And like we said, Nahuel Guzman is the goalkeeper. They're playing a 4-2-3-1 for manager Tuca Ferretti, the Brazilian. In the back, the right back is Luis Rodriguez. Diego Reyes and Francisco Mesa make up the center back pairing with Carlos Salcedo as the left-sided midfielder. Double pivot in midfield for the Mexican side as well. It is Brazilian Rafael Carioca teaming with Jesus Alberto Duenas in that position with three attacking mids in front of them. Guido Pizarro is the center attacking midfielder with Javier Aquino to his left and Luis Quinones to his right. And they're playing, of course, behind what is now a legend at this club. The man, the myth, the legend, if you're a Tigres supporter. He is, of course, France international André Pierre Gignac, who would have himself quite a tournament. So those are the 22 men that took the pitch for this match. And it started off very good for the Korean side, I must say, as it would be it would be a tough a tough order. And in the twenty fourth minute, Kim He Kim, oh, excuse me, Ki He Kim would put the Korean side on the board first, put them in the lead, and a little bit of panic maybe setting into the Mexican side. But Tuca Ferretti would no doubt calm his side down. And in the thirty eighth minute, who else but their French superstar, André Pierre Gignac, for me, the best player in all of CONCACAF. Okay, possibly right now better than any other player, international or club. But at least in the club game, nobody is better than Gignac right now in CONCACAF, despite his his 35 years Uh you know, the, the the tag on his age, 35 years old, he's still the top player in CONCACAF, and he draws the Mexican side level. And then in the 45th plus 5, after a VAR check, it would be a penalty for Tigres, converted by, you guessed it, André Pierre Gignac. The Frenchman puts Tigres ahead, and that would be all they would need. They would see this result out through the second half. And Tigres advanced to the semifinals to take on South American champions Palmeiras, the Brazilian side. We talked about a lot in the last episode when we reviewed the final of the Copa Libertadores. And they would have the tall order of taking on this Mexican side. And to be honest, let me tell you something as far as payroll and as as far as, you know... um, market value of the rosters there is nothing between palmeiras and tigres um a lot of money spent by tigres they are one of the real big spenders in mexico and their spending can compete with almost anybody in south america so for anyone who thought that this was gonna you know that palmeiras was gonna have a clean path to the final they did not do their homework and Later on that day, the other round two match was the home side, the Qatari side, Al Duhail taking on Egyptian champions and African Champions League winners. Al Akli, a club that is in this competition very, very often. So many Asian, uh, excuse me, so many African Champions League titles for Al Akli. How many, you ask? Let's see, for two. To be exact, they have here nine, that's right, nine 
CAF or uh, Confederation of African Football Champions League titles, 1982, 87, 2001, 2005, 2006, 2008, 2012, 2013, 2020, and 2019. Oh, 2019 and 2020. That one was put in a in a pair in a asterisk. But that there you go. Nine time winners of the of the African Champions League. Lockley, uh, and they would get a goal from from Hussein El Shahat in the 30th minute to take care of the Qatari side one nil. Mohammed El Sanawi would be would be credited as the man of the match from Fatmob after the game, and Al Akli advanced to take on the favorites Bayern Munich. Let's move ahead then. And let's look at the semifinals. First up, the first semifinal up. And it would take place on the 7th of February, a Sunday, about one week ago. And it would be in the Education City Stadium in Al-Rayan, or Arheyan is how it's pronounced, Qatar. And it is Palmeiras taking on Tigres. Let's look at the lineups in this one. We will start again with Tuca Ferretti's side from the CONCACAF region from Mexico. Nahuel Guzman is the goalkeeper. The right back in the 4-4-2 is Luis Rodriguez. And this time you have Diego Reyes and Carlos Salcedo partnering as the center back pairing. Salcedo moves from left back to center back for this one. And, and Jesus Duenas Moves to left back. Four in midfield this time. And in the middle, there's still a double pivot there of Guido Pizarro and Rafael Carioca with Javier Equino to the right and Luis Quinones to the left. The big change is up front. You have Andre Pierre Gignac, but now he's partnered by Carlos Gonzalez. And for the South American champions, who I think the champagne was still wet on their jerseys, from celebrating the Copa Libertadores title just some five days earlier. In goal, they had Weverton. Uh, they played a 4-1-4-1, which they utilized many times in Copa Libertadores play. Uh, Marcus Rocha as the right back. Luan Garcia and Gustavo Gomez are the center back pairing. With Matias Vina as the left back. Danilo is in the hole as the holding midfielder. Traditional holding midfielder. Four across the midfield in front of him. Gabriel Maninu on the right. Rafael Vega and Zé Rafael in the center. With Ronnie on the left. And they're all playing behind the striker. The experienced striker. Former Shakhtar Donetsk. Former AC Milan uh, striker. Luis Adrianu. And we look at this. As we lo- we'll look at some of the statistics as well. Almost even in possession. Uh, total shots almost even. Chances created practically even. Big chances practically even. Accurate passes 328 to 322 in favor of Tigres. Very, very close. Pass success rate both at 79. These two teams essentially played an even, even match. The only difference. You know what it was? The only difference was a penalty to Tigres. And you guessed it, Pierre Gignac, Pierre Andre Pierre Gignac stepping up, scoring his third of the tournament. And he would finish the tournament as the top goal scorer. Um, granted, he played three matches versus uh, Robert Lewandowski's two. But he would finish as the tournament's top scorer. 
And Tigres would hold on 1-0 to book their spot in the final against the winner of Al-Akli and Bayern Munich. As, uh, it was a good, this was a good match. I enjoyed this match thoroughly. And I know that Palmeiras is like, being picked on right now by their Brazilian uh, rivals, by supporters of their Brazilian rivals. Uh, Brazilian media absolutely massacring them. Um, this tournament takes on a much different weight in Brazil and Argentina, for example, than it does anywhere else in the world, okay? Um, for clubs like Alacli and for Tigres and for uh, Ulsan Hyundai, the clubs that have made this from the other competitions, this is a huge opportunity for them. This is a chance to put themselves on the pitch in a competitive match against a club the level of Bayern Munich and of Palmeiras, or at least against the two more uh, prestigious or more visible, I should say, visible continental championship teams, of course, that of South America and of Europe. As this competition, before there was a FIFA Club World Cup, it was known as the Intercontinental Cup or the Toyota Cup. And back then, they only used to invite the champions of South America and Europe, um, the other confederations seen as not not worthy to be in a competition with those two to crown a world champion. Um Thankfully, in my opinion, FIFA has has expanded this to what it should be. I am not in favor of a 24-team tournament in the summer of 2023 in China. Absolutely not. Um, I like this as a six-team tournament. I don't even think that the host sh- host nation should be putting a team. And I understand it generates a little bit of uh, of of um, interest, but they're putting these these tournaments in places where there's no interest. FIFA could do so much more with this tournament if they put it in the right place, okay? Yes, I know it's the middle of winter and it always falls in the middle of winter, but there's an entire southern hemisphere where this could be much more uh, appreciated, much more visible. And I think if this competition were played in South America, for example, in Brazil or Argentina, it'd be huge. It would have, it would be absolutely huge. If it were played in Australia once in a while, I think it would be received so well. And why not? Australia right now is the gold standard for handling COVID. They just had their Grand Slam tennis tournament, the Australian Open, with fans, no masks, no need, no social distancing, full stadiums. Okay, they're way ahead of the rest of us on this. You could have this tournament in the United States, in Miami. You could have it in Mexico City. You could have it in Colombia. You could have it in Morocco. You could have it even in Europe because in a lot of parts of Europe, they're playing football right now. Why? This is always either in Japan or in the oil-rich countries of the Middle East. FIFA is more interested in profit than they are in the growing of the game and in the the honesty of of a tournament. I'm not saying to take it away from those countries, but it shouldn't always be in this small pocket of countries. Perhaps they're the only ones interested in hosting. If that's the case, then then obviously I'm wrong here. But I do believe that if they made this tournament a better property, then more places would be interested in hosting. And it doesn't surprise me that, uh, you know, it it really, first of all, it's a chore, unfortunately, for European teams to send a team in the middle uh, of its season. Although I think Bayern Munich handled it beautifully. You didn't hear them complain. You didn't hear the things that, you know, for example, Liverpool a year ago and their supporters were saying about it being, you know, annoying and being an inconvenience and this and that. No, this this tournament should be regarded as a world championship. Okay. No, it's never going to have the glitz and the glamour of the UEFA Champions League or even 
or even the Copa Libertadores for that matter. But I think it has a purpose and it's a necessary tournament. And I think that where it is in the calendar is perfect. I just think the location of it needs to rotate. And I think that uh, it can be it can be improved upon without expanding to this ridiculous twenty four team competition. That's another summer tournament, except with clubs during a portion of the calendar when they should be you know on holiday. They're playing in this in a, in a competition, and you know that many of the European teams, especially those in the Premier League, said they would not send top players to a summer tournament. And FIFA is going ahead with that plan anyway. But for now. This is still the format we have. I like this format personally. I think a six-team tournament is perfect. You have the two highest-ranked confederations automatically advancing to the semifinals with the other four playing play-in games to get there. Nothing wrong with that. Um, that said, you know, uh, because of the way that the calendar shaped out, and like I said, Flam uh, Palmeiras, rather, Still, still uh, hung over certainly from having won the Copa Lib, and uh, they go into this into this tournament really not prepared for it mentally certainly. And, and anyone who's ever taken part of a competition like the Copa Libertadores and won a final, especially one that was emotionally exhausting the way this edition was, knows that there that takes a toll on 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 you and, and in reality the science of it is the stress and the emotion of a final is it does a number on somebody's uh central nervous system okay uh it's a lot of stress that the body has to absorb a lot of people don't understand this a lot of people don't even necessarily believe in this but the science is the science okay it is quite a a beating on on somebody's central nervous system whether it's a player a manager you know even even a president of a club they all uh, they all experience this and when you got to turn around and play another key matchup okay especially a knockout matchup in such a short turnaround it's no surprise that it turned out the way it did for Palmeiras okay they um it's just it, this has a precedent, okay? Because if you remember 2019, okay, the 2019 Copa Libertadores was the final, two-legged final. And remember that the second leg had to be postponed due to crowd violence in Buenos Aires. Had to be shipped over to Madrid to play the Boca River second leg, okay? River won that in extra time. River were beaten in the semifinals of the, of the FIFA Club World Cup under a week later, same exact situation Palmeiras found themselves in here. Now, River were, were able to win the third place game, but that really that's splitting hairs right now. If you don't win the competition, you you're you know there's the winner and there's everybody else in a competition like this. I know they play a third place game and they play a fifth place game, but that's that's to fill out you know that's to fill out the tournament and to make it worth the travel for these teams to go that far away to make sure they get a certain number of matches, make sure everyone gets a minimum of two matches in. That's why they play those those matches. But you know this 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 performance from Palmeiras can be criticized, but it's not uh, it's not unprecedented as just two years ago, River Plate suffered the same fate, and and I totally credit it to the close proximity it is to the final of their competition. Um, it, it's you see it also. How many times in world football do we see a team win a, 
a cup final. And if they still have a league match next, they don't do so well in it. Okay, whether it's a you know it's an FA say it's an FA Cup or a a League Cup final is more likely because those are the ones that take place in the middle of the season or a Super Cup that could be hotly contested. Um, this is why cup finals are typically at the end of the season. Problem is when you include the entire world, much to uh, the disbelief of many American fans who think that there is this quote unquote FIFA calendar that we should be aligned with here in the United States. There is no one calendar for the entire world. Everybody's at a different place in their calendar right now. Um, certain parts of the world are winding down and calling it a season. Others are starting. If you're in South America, you're literally finishing one season and starting the next the next day. Brazil has two rounds right now left to play in their championship. And two weeks later, those teams will be turning around and entering in their state championships for the new season. The Copa Libertadores new season starts 10 days or starts eight days from today. Recording this on Monday, the 15th of January. So on on Tuesday, the 23rd of January, you will see the first preliminary matches for the new edition of the Copa Libertadores. Okay, so, so there's always victims of calendar in this competition. And when things got postponed, when there's a postponement, yeah, South America kind of has the unfortunate... Um, has the unfortunate luck of having just concluded their continental tournament that I think hurts their representative in this competition when they get there. But, um, you know, a year ago, Flamengo had 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 a, a... They had a short turnaround as well, but I think they had a week and some days to, first of all, celebrate their title, celebrate their resilient title, which they won in the same, you know, in the same weekend. Um, they had a chance to regroup and focus on their competition. They got through Al-Hilal and then pushed Liverpool all the way to extra time in the final. Um, no such luck this year for Palmeiras, but this does not take away from Palmeiras' fantastic Copa Libertadores season. This is just literally, I think this is exhaustion, and it's no longer just physical. It's an emotional, and it's a nervous system exhaustion at this point for Palmeiras, and they're not done with the season yet. They still have to regroup, get themselves ready for the Copa do Brasil final in early March. Two legs against Grêmio to see who will win that competition, but... um. On the other hand, Tigres, well-prepared. I mean, Tuca Ferretti had his team ready for this. The opponent was well-studied. You could see it. And they had every advantage because they knew they were going to be there. They knew that there was a good chance they were going to win their round two match with uh, Ulsan Hyundai. And I think they prepared to play Palmeiras. I think I think they went in with the preparation to play these two matches as they had time to prepare for. Yes, they just kicked off their league season about five weeks ago. They're, they're at round six in the Liga Emekis right now in the new season. But they're in a spot where they've hit their stride and they're playing well. They're not at the end of their season. They're not running out of gas. They're not in the middle of their season like a Bayern Munich would be where this is kind of like starting to hit the the, the fatigue meter, you know. Nope, they're not there either. So they're, I think I think this calendar really benefited Tigres for the, this edition of this competition. They came in ready and focused, and it showed. They they pulled out two very good victories here in these first two matches. All right, let's move now to the next semifinal, and it was the Egyptian side, Al-Akli, taking on the UEFA Champions League winners, 
and European champions by way of that competition, Bayern Munich. And we're going to take a look now at the 11 for each team in that semifinal. And it's Monday, February the 8th. And it is at the Ahmed Bin Ali Stadium in Al-Rayan. I should say Arheyan. I keep mispronouncing the name of that city. Um, and it is Al-Akli and Bayern Munich, as we said. Let's look at the lineups. Al-Akli would start with goalkeeper Mohamed El Shinawi. Four across the back in there. Four, two, three, one. It is Mohamed Hani, Bader, Baunin, Ayman Asraf, and Ali Maulul in the back. Double pivot again. Very common feature in all of these teams is the double pivot in midfield. And it is uh, Hamdi Fatihi and Amir Al Sulaya as the central uh, midfielders of the double pivot in midfield with three attacking mids in front of them. Hussein El Shahat, Asafa, and Tahar Mohammed, and they're playing behind Mahmoud Karaba. The German side, the champions of the Bundesliga, the league leaders in the Bundesliga, and the UEFA Champions League winners from a season ago. Bayern München would line up with, of course, Emmanuel Neuer in goal. They're playing 4 2 3 1. And they have the Frenchman Benjamin Pavard as the right back. Jerome Boteng and David Alba are the central defenders. And the Canadian international Alfonso Davies is the left back. Their double pivot. Again, another double pivot. Mark Rocca and Joshua Kimmich in midfield. Playing behind Kinsley Coleman, Thomas Mueller, and Serge Gnabry. And of course, their lone striker. None other than Robert Lewandowski. And he would be the the key man of the match, Lewandowski. Two goals for Robert Lewandowski in this one, as he would he would find the back of the net in the 17th and again in the 86th to put the Bavarian side through to the final. And they they uh, it was a good effort from Alakli. They I think they're gonna leave this competition in the semifinal with their heads held high. Uh, they held their own with possibly the best team, if not the best, the certainly the most consistent side in the world. Um, very very talented side, as we all know of of Bayern Munich. We talk about them every single week on this show, and we talk about them every time we talk German football about just their consistency and their their uh, professionalism and just how they get the job done and how hard it is for anyone to catch them in Germany right now. They're just on a level of their own and they take they take um, very good care of this match and uh, do their job and take home a professional result of 2-0 victory. Book their way into the final and there's not much to be said. I mean, it was a typical Bayern Munich performance no real mistakes, no real problems. Everything done to a certain level of quality that is um, to be expected of this side. And uh, they booked their trip to the final. So we're going to take a quick little break here. And on the other side, we'll talk about the third place game and the final before we say goodbye for this episode 26 of Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast and the PTB Media Network congratulate Palmeiras on winning the 2020 Copa Libertadores. 
And welcome back to this final segment of Parking the Bus, episode 26. I'm the Mr. Mike Agostinho. And let's go to the third place game then at the FIFA Club World Cup. And this one is being played in the Education City Stadium. Uh, FIFA officially calling it the bronze final instead of the third place playoff. But it is Al-Akli versus Palmeiras. And let's take a look. At the 22 men that lined up to start the match, Mohamed El Shinawi for Al-Akli in goal, 4-2-3-1 still. And Mohamed Hani, Bader, Banun, and Yasser Ibrahim as the in as his partner in central defense. Ayman Ashraf, the left back. Hamdi Fatih and Amir Al-Sulaya are the double pivot in front uh, behind rather Tahar Mohamed Akran. Taufik and Afasha and the striker was Walter Bolaya in uh, that was a switch he was brought in and four Palmeiras four uh, Abel Freitas side he sticks with the same goalkeeper Weverton uh, four across the back same 4-2-3-1 or it's a change from the 4-1 4-1 formation to a 4-2-3-1 and uh, Mikey is the right back with Luan Garcia and Gustavo Gomez again as the center back pairing Matias Vina the left back Patrick Carreiro partners with veteran Felipe Melo remember him most will <laughs> most will remember Felipe Melo a long time uh, Brazil national team player he partners with Patrick Carrero in midfield, and they are playing behind Ronnie, Rafael Vega, and Willian. And the striker is Luis Adriano. And this match would, uh, well, statistically, everything would favor Palmeiras in this one. 52.9% percentage uh, possession, excuse me. 13 total shots to 6. 11 sh- chances created by the Brazilian side, by the Verdão. Uh, no big chances, though, according to Mob. 378 accurate passes for an 80% pass success rate. But in the end, um, neither team would find the back of the net in this one. And uh, there is no extra time this year in this competition, in these matches. I think except with the exception of the final, there would have been an extra time in the final. But either way, no extra time in this third-place playoff of this bronze final, as FIFA's calling it. So they go directly to penalties, and here we have uh, we have um, stepping up. So let's let's uh, review the penalties, if you will. And it starts off shooting first would have been. I'm pulling it up right now as we speak. Uh, shooting first, I believe, was Palmeiras. I could have that wrong. I'm double-checking that. Bear with me for just one more moment. And it was Al-Akli actually shooting first. Bader Banun, as he would convert his penalty. Right-footed shot to the bottom left corner. one nothing to Al-Akli. Next for Palmeiras trying to, to level was Ronnie, but he fails to capitalize on the great opportunity. Right-footed shot saved in the center of the goal. And the second shooter for Al-Akli was Amir Al-Sulaya. And his shot was saved as he failed to capitalize. He takes a right-footed shot, and it is saved in the bottom left corner by Weberton. Uh, up next would have been Luis Adriano, and he misses badly. 
He uh, takes a right-footed shot from close, but he misses right. He did that little that little hop step, and it looked horrible. I don't like this hop step. This thing is. This thing is taken off. A lot of players are using this. They trot up to the up to the ball. They do a little hop and then they kick on their landing. And this time the goalie waited, 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 and then just read his body language. And he was at the spot before the ball. Um, really looked, really looked horrible for for a player the caliber of Luis Adriano to miss a penalty that way. But he wouldn't have been penalized in the next round because third up for Alakli is. Marwan Mohsen, and he would miss his. He hit his. He hit the right post with his right-footed shot. Still won nothing through two and a half. And the third for Palmeiras would have been substitute Gustavo Scarpa, and Gustavo Scarpa would convert his left-footed shot right down the center of the goal. It's one-one after three. Up fourth for Alakli is Mohamed Hani, and Hani converts. He takes a right-footed shot. And he, he also goes straight up the middle on Weverton and converts 2-1 to Alakli. Upsteps the central back, the Paraguayan Gustavo Gomez. And Gustavo Gomez would convert with his right-footed shot into the bottom right corner. 2-2 after four. Here is the fifth shot for Al-Akli. It is Junior Igiani, the substitute. And he steps up and converts it with the right-footed shot to the top right corner. The fifth shooter for Palmeiras is the experienced veteran, former Brazil international. We spoke about him a moment ago, Felipe Melo. But he fails as his right-footed shot is saved in the bottom left corner. And the majority of the fans in the stadium were all Ockley fans. And they were going crazy as it was a, you could see, it was quite the accomplishment. And they were quite happy to walk away with a bronze medal in this competition. Al Ockley wins on penalties 3-2. to two. And the story for Palmeiras again, two matches, no goals scored. And a worst ever fourth place finish for a Brazilian side. It is what it is. I mean, again, in my opinion, if you didn't win the competition, you're just one of the rest. Um, this is a competition that's all about who wins it and not about first, second. There's only six teams. When you start in the four, in the semifinals, you know, third place isn't any better than fourth place, in my opinion, um, in this competition. It's not like you came a long way and, you you, you know, um, Palmeiras is you know, achievement of this season is certainly going to be the Copa Libertadores title, and this is not going to blemish this at all for their supporters. Um, they're still they're still the champions of South America. They still walk into the new edition of the competition next month as uh, the holders. So we move now to the final. And, yes, a CONCACAF side for the first time is in the final. This is big for the Confederation. This is big for Mexican football especially as uh, it's a rare opportunity for them to test themselves against a real world power. And it is Bayern Munich taking on Tigres of Mexico. The lineups starting with the Mexican side. And in goal again, it is Nahuel Guzman. 4-4-2 again is the choice for uh, Tuca Ferretti. Luis Rodriguez is the right back. Diego uh, Reyes and Carlos Salcedo, the center back pairing. And Jesus Duenas, the left back. Nothing changed there from the semifinal. In midfield, Rafael Carioca pairs up with 
with Guido Pizarro in the center, Javier Aquino and Luis Quinones down the flanks with Carlos Gonzalez partnering with Andre Pierre Gignac. No changes in the 11 for Tigres. For Bayern, on the other hand, we have a couple of changes. Manuel Neuer does return in goal. They're playing 4-2-3-1 again. And Benjamin Pavard is again the right back. Nicolas Sula and Lucas Hernandez inserted as the center backs, replacing Jerome Boateng and David Alaba. And Alfonso Davies is reta retains his position at uh, left back. David Alaba moved into midfield, though, as he would partner with Joshua Kimmich in the double pivot. And they would play behind Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, and Kinsley Coleman. And, of course, the striker is Robert Lewandowski. And we'll go through some of the situations in the match. As uh, this, this was one I was excited for. I was watching this, and I, I watched it from the beginning. I was excited for this one. Um, I wanted to see how Tigres would hold themselves with or would compose themselves and how they would hang with a team like Bayern Munich as uh, this is much higher level than they faced. And I think they did themselves proud, to be quite honest with you. It was a good day for Mexican football, a good day for CONCACAF. Okay? I know that when they, won, when they beat Palmeiras, um, some of them said they're not playing for CONCACAF, they're playing for themselves. But I know that the offices of CONCACAF took great pride in this performance. And uh, we get started. And there's a chance right in the sixth minute as Sané finds Coleman in the Tigres penalty area. But the French midfielder's volley effort was, uh, was just wide. Now, interesting thing is you have a CONCACAF player on the European team and a European player on the CONCACAF team in this one um, as Alfonso Davies, who if... if in my, this is my opinion. If Gignac is the best club player in Concacaf, uh, Alfonso Davies right now the best international player from Concacaf. All right, representing the Canadian national team, playing a high, high level at Bayern Munich, and obviously having won the UEFA Champions League and and now going into this Club World Cup final. In the 12th minute, it's Tigres with the chance. They break. Gignac flies down the left wing. The French forward cuts back and finds Quinones with a chipped cross. With a chipped crossfield pass, the midfielder goes for the far corner of Neuer's goal. But it is just wide as Neuer is fully extended. But in the end, it goes wide and no threat to Bayern Munich's goalkeeper. Uh, the ball falls for Lewandowski in the 15th in the Tigres box. But Bayern can't control and the Mexican side are able to clear the danger. Uh, Quinones has a chance uh, as he's nearly in on goal in the 17th, played through by Gonzalez, but Manuel Neuer charges out and collects the ball. Uh, in the 19th, we thought we had a goal to Bayern. It was a pretty one, too. Joshua Kimmich, simply perfect strike from the German midfielder who smashes the ball into the far bottom corner from 30 yards out, but there is a VAR check, and... In a very short time, I'm, I'm I'm shocked why the leagues I follow closest, the Portuguese and the Brazilian, take so long to review on the VAR. This took no time at all, and it was clear. The referee went to the monitor, and he came to the decision that Lewandowski strayed into the path of the strike. And as a result, uh, Lewandowski offside. And I like to take this one further. Okay. And this is how I've always explained this rule. And this doesn't always get implemented correctly. 
So let me say that. But uh, what happened here is Lewandowski is directly in line with the shot. Lewandowski is forced to move to get out of the way of the shot. If you are in an offside position, okay, to be out of the play, you have to be completely still, not moving, to be unrelated to the play, especially if the ball comes towards you in your area. You need to remain still and to not play the ball. If you need to get out of the way of the ball, you are playing the ball, you are offside. The referee made the right decision, um, and the VAR referee, in telling him to take a look at it. It was the correct decision. The goal is disallowed. Um, According to FOTMOB here, they think it's harsh. No, they just don't understand the rule. Um, Most of the commentators don't understand the rule. I'm going to say that right now. Most of the commentators do not understand this rule. If you have to get out of the way of the ball, you are offside. You are playing the ball if you duck. You are playing the ball if you open your legs. You are playing the ball if you move right or left. Lewandowski does that. He moves. He is offside. This is a fantastic call by the referee. But the VAR would come into play again later, and it would be the right decision, even though none of us noticed it with the naked eye. In the 31st minute, though, the German champions are missing that cutting edge up front, it says, in the first half. And it was clear to see that Thomas Mueller's absence had been a big loss for Bayern That's because a day earlier, um, Thomas Muller would test positive for COVID-19. He would be left off of the team. And and Jerome uh, Boateng had to leave Qatar for family reasons as well. That's the other reason there was a change in the back line. But Bayern does not miss a stride. Do you notice when they're missing a player, they do not lose a stride. They are so confident and just so competent that no matter, they are such a well-oiled machine that no matter what pieces they put in there, it works. 33rd minute, though, Quinones looks to take on Sule, but the Byron defender does well to tackle his man, and he puts the ball out for a Tigres corner. Ensuing corner, Tigres um, get it, and the header from Gignac is over. But a minute later, a near opportunity for the Bavarian side as Tigres are caught napping as uh, Gnabry finds Sane, and he takes it. Uh, sorry, Sane fires a powerful strike from 20 yards out, and he cracks it against the angle of the post and the co- and the crossbar right in that upper 90 degree part of the goal. But it it hits that and comes out. The Mexican side survive. 37th minute, and the referee again warns uh, Guzman for time wasting, and it's an. In- it's definitely an interesting approach by the goalkeeper to start time-wasting this early in the match with a nil-nil result, 40th minute. And Mob does note here that Tigres have held their own so far in the final, but something they miss is the creativity in the center of the park. Pizarro and Carioca playing well, but both are industrious midfielders, and they are missing a little bit of a playmaker to come in behind Gignac and Gonzalez. And you would think that Ferretti might drop Gignac in a in a moment like that, if that's in case, if that's in fact the case, and they need some creativity. But uh, he he sticks to his his guns and leaves leaves Gignac and Gonzalez high. Forty second minute, Duenas goes into the book again for time wasting, and this could have been a this could be a very bad decision as he looks to defend Sane as the left back and to waste a yellow card on time wasting. Uh, halftime would blow 
just a moment later at 45 plus 2. And the FIFA Club World Cup remain goalless at the break. Tigres more than holding their own, though, against the much-favored Bayern Munich. Kimmich thought that he had opened the scoring for the German champions with a lovely strike, but VAR overrode that decision. The match uh, could be set to go to extra time and penalties if drawn. Bayern boss Hansi Flick may look to make some changes early in the second half to freshen up his side. The German manager will want this match won in normal time with Bayern having to quickly get on a plane and travel back to Germany for a Monday meeting with Armenia Bielefeld. And the second half begins with no changes. Bayern Munich um, going after it early on. They do. They are not interested in playing an extra 30 minutes. In the 49th, you have uh, Kinsley Coman driving into the box from the left, past Rodriguez, crossing to the back post. Sané meets the delivery, but his headed effort goes over the bar. In the 51st, it's a close one as Alaba finds Gnabry in the Tigres box and the midfielder shapes his body to go far top corner with the strike. His right-footed effort from 20 yards out is well struck, but agonizingly clears the crossbar by a matter of centimeters. Remember that Bayern have twice won this this competition, last winning it back in 2013. Since that triumph, not a single European team has been beaten in the competition. The last defeat for a UEFA representative was in 2012 when Chelsea lost the final 1-0 to Brazilian Corinthians. Um, and we keep moving forward. And in the 58th, it looks as if we're going to get a chance as Benjamin Pavard uh, has the ball in the back of the goal. So first thing, the ball is dropped in, and if I'm not, and it it is uh, Lewandowski with the header that that then is is blocked by Guzman, but then it squirts out to the right and it finds Pavard, and Pavard plays it into the back of the goal. Originally, though, the 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 referee's assistant puts his flag up for offside. However, the referee is told by the VAR official to take a look, and the goal ends up being given. VAR overturns the referee's decision, and um, Lewandowski turns out to be onside in the buildup, and Pavard's simple finish is given. That is because that is because Rodriguez is way at the top of your screen, almost off your screen, a good five meters ahead, and he puts... he. Or I shouldn't say a good five meters ahead. He has his his leg out, you know, stretched, and his leg keeps keeps uh, keeps Robert Lewandowski onside. And in, in the original live frame, you didn't see that, and it was only in the VAR when it was expanded that you saw that. So the assist goes to Lewandowski, and the goal is scored by the Frenchman Pavard. And Hansi Flick will then make a substitution in the 64th as Corentin Toliso replaces Serge Gnabry. In the 67th, it is Quinones going down under a challenge from Sané. Kimmich offers his opinion in the, in the aftermath, and then the tempers start to flare as a few players start to confront the German midfielder. In the buildup, Luis Rodriguez is booked for dragging Coman to the ground after the French midfielder stepped past the Tigres, a man on the left wing. Another substitution in the 73rd. 
and it is Bayern again, and it's a double substitution, or I should say a triple substitution here. Uh, coming on is Jamal Musiala replacing Leroy Sané. Eric Maxim Chopomoting replaces Robert Lewandowski. Douglas Costa replaces Kinsley Coleman. Those three come on and off. And three minutes later, it is Tukafretti making a substitution of his own for Tigres. Julian Quinones enters, replaces Luis Rodriguez. And Tigres give away possession in the 82nd deep in their own half. Toliso strikes from distance, but the French midfielder's effort is on its way to the bottom corner from 30 yards out. But Guzman gets just enough on the strike to push it on to the woodwork and keep it out of the goal. A long throw-in for Tigres a minute later, flicked on by Gonzalez, and Gignac tries the spectacular. The forward, the French forward moves his body to try an overhead kick, but he misses the ball. 84th minute, and Tigres nearly score one of those own goals as Salcedo nods the ball back to Guzman, but the keeper is way off his line. Thankfully for the Mexican champions, though, the shot stopper gets back just in time to pull it from the line. And it's another save in the 86 for Guzman. It's a double save as he pulls off a huge double save. First to keep out Chopo Molting and then Kimmich. Tigres are only holding on for dear life now. And in the 88th, the midfield press of Bayern Munich is working tremendously hard to pin Tigres in their own half. Remember that triple substitution. Yeah, those guys all implemented. And I like that substitution because they went in and the press was was increased with that substitution. Because now you had three fresh sets of legs out there to apply the press. 89th and, and Bayern nearly double their lead. Costa skips inside the right wing, finds Chopo Molting in the Tigres penalty area, and the Bayern forward hits his effort just over the bar from 15 yards out. In the 90th, frustrated Rafael Carioca brings down Alfonso Davies on the left flank. Yellow card to Tigres' Brazilian midfielder. And it was... It would be hard to come by, but in the 90th plus three, one final opportunity. It's a late free kick around 40 yards from goal. Gignac delivers it towards the goalkeeper uh, at the the back post. Guzman, we talked about him off the top, how he has a goal. He had a goal early in the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16. He comes up, tries to do the same again, and Gignac's looking for him. But Bayern are able to clear and within seconds from there, the referee will blow his whistle for full time. And Bayern Munich are your FIFA Club World Cup champions for 2020. Bayern Munich win their sixth title in the last calendar year thanks to this close-range strike from Pavard midway through the second half of the club World Cup final in Qatar. The German champions weren't at their brilliant best, but they did just enough to fight off a spirited side from Mexico who played well throughout but lacked a real cutting edge when needed. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup. Bayern Munich, your champions, your runners-up from CONCACAF are Tigres, and CONCACAF should be proud. Liga Emekis should be proud. Um, but they have to turn it around quickly. Like I said, the uh, like I said for for um, Palmeiras, you know that the, the high of winning that competition, you know, and the the stress and the the toll it takes on the nervous system, 
was just too much for them in this competition. Tigres now have to regroup quickly. They have Liga Emekis to play. Of course, in Liga Emekis, though, there is a playoff at the end that can save a bad run of form for just about anybody. Bayern Munich, on the other hand, back in action earlier today. Uh, they drew 3-3 with Armenia. Bielefeld at home in the snow. And we talk again about that um, between the between playing a final, flying I don't know how many hours from the Middle East to to Germany, and then getting on the pitch and playing in freezing temperatures when you've just left the warm desert is is quite uh, a bit to ask, and it was a little bit too much to ask of of Bayern Munich as they dropped two points today at the Allianz Arena in Munich, but Bayern Munich lift another trophy congratulations of course to Bayern Munich on winning this FIFA Club World Cup 2020 and that my friends is going to do it for this episode I will be back again shortly with another episode we're going to restart our rotation now we're going to start off in the UK and go from there there's a lot that has changed in the UK in the Premier League to be exact there's a new team at the front of the line there's a new captain at the front of the bus if you will and we'll talk about that, plus FA Cup updates, uh, the EFL Championship, WSL, all to come in that episode of Parking the Bus. That'll be episode 27, coming your way in a day or so, in a couple of days, some point in the, in the foreseeable future. Uh, it'll be a review of of mainly England, and we'll all it'll also include a, a quick look ahead at European matchups in uh, of English teams or British teams, I should say, in this upcoming Champions League and Europa League window. All right. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next time. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off for the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast and the PTB Media Network congratulate Bayern Munich on winning the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup Bayern Munich champions again.